somebody get me some cold water? And can somebody, thank you, and can somebody get me some boiling water out of the kettle, please? While you're at it, $10,000 wouldn't go astray. And that'd be good. Um, <clears throat> we're praying before the service today. And um, I guess the first thing to know is that um, you're always welcome to come before 10 a.m. and pray before the service. Pray for yourself, pray for your family, pray for the person next to you, pray for the person you don't know. We just pray and we just ask God to come and we just thank him for what he's going to do. Thanks, Mum. So um, if you'd like to come before the, before the service starts, like officially starts, then feel free to come because that's when it now officially starts. We start about 10 to 10-ish. All right? And if no one's praying, then it's up to you to pray. Deal with it. Is that cool? Um, a couple of things. First of all, happy birthday for this week, Lyndon. It's Lyndon's birthday this week. <clears throat> Ended with a zero as well. No, it did, didn't it? Yeah. I was going to say ten. <laughs> um, yeah, no, ouch. Ouch. Um, and uh, we can celebrate with Riley Cartledge this week because the Cartledges had a baby boy, so Riley is no longer the only boy in their family. So James, James Cartledge, fantastic. So, um, so Michelle and Dion, just lift them up in your prayers and just um, be thankful because um, we've got two kids and I know how hectic that is. You know what I mean? How many have they got? 27 or something like that? Five. Five. Okay. Um, the other thing um, I want to share, I was just sitting there and I looked over to you and I said, how's work? That, that's what I was asking you about. I was asking you to do this because I, I knew that um, <coughs> I knew you'd started a new job. But I was thinking about Caleb, actually, and I was thinking about when you first mentioned to me that, that you were pregnant and you're expecting. And I just... and I. And I can't remember the exact words I pray, but God reminded me that we prayed for like a supernatural like strength and health over him. Do you remember that? Um, and just th- this week, I know that as he goes through teething, it's a, it's a tough time for his mouth, right? And it's a tough time for everyone as a result of that. Um, so um, I just want to remind you guys of God's supernatural um, support over you guys as parents. You guys are awesome parents, Yeah. You guys are just awesome parents and I just really sense that, that you just, sometimes we just need that reminder of his goodness, you know. We just need, need a reminder of the word he's spoken over us. So, Caleb, be well, sleep well, may teeth come out with no pain in Jesus' name. And if that happens, which I, which I, which I, I believe it can, then you've got to get him to pray for other kids. So, you've got to get him to lay hands on James Cartledge, all right? So, so, so they'll have some good night's sleeps as well. Because it's not too hard for God. Teething's not too hard for God. Goodness me, it's nothing. Nothing. (sighs) What else can I say that wasn't planned? (laughs) I like your haircut, Vicky. Um, um, This morning, while we were praying, the Lord showed me, um, he showed me um, the hems of our clothes um, and can you come up here just for one second? Uh, one, uh, one minute. Um, just stand up here for a tick. Anuhi is always impeccably dressed, yeah, and, um, and respectful of her, of her culture. But you see how there's the hem around there? Um, 
I just saw God putting a hem around everybody's piece of clothing. So every every jean, every dress, every every whatever. And I just really and it was like it was like he was turning our clothes into royal robes today. That's really what I saw. Um, and, and and that's for everyone. So I think what I'm gonna share speaks to that. Thank you, um, um, so yeah, royal robes, hey? This is the message that God's been sort of speaking to me about and with all honesty I'm going to be really brutally honest with you guys family family I'm still sort of brewing we're still sort of coming up with what this message is so you guys are the guinea pigs so there might be some bits that are really really good and other bits that aren't is that all right good correct answer because you weren't you weren't going to get anything else um you know I believe God always releases something anyway you know um I could come up here and speak exactly the same words as what Andrew spoke last week and, th- and you would grab something new because that's just the way, that's the way God works. He always just opens our hearts a little bit more and just says, all right, now's the time for this bit. Now's the time for this bit, yeah? So, um, um, so this message is about freedom and it's sort of building on a whole bunch of teaching I've been sort of um, listening to and reading um, stuff by Chris Vellerton, also a a theologian named Jonathan Welton, um, who's, um, who's just a cool dude. And the topic just really sort of grabbed me. Um, and so I just really pray that God speaks to us today. You know. So let's pray. Lord, help me. And Lord, may the hunger you've stirred up in me be stirred up in the minds and the hearts of all who hear it. Amen. Amen. So there's two main points. So you can basically get these and leave if you want to. Um, Thanks for the Herbie tea. Thanks. Um, Two main points. First one is this. You are as free as you want to be. And the second one is this. Freedom is a behavior. All right. So I'm going to tell you a story about Moses. Um, so, um, some of you might know this story if you've seen The Prince of Egypt or um, Charlton Heston, I think it is, in his film, is The Ten Commandments. Haven't seen it, um, but if you have seen it, it's epic. Um, so, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to talk about um, um, Moses a fair bit because Moses is, um, Moses is an interesting bloke. Um, <clears throat> and so, is it, and the, the one sort of Proclaimer, pro, yeah, pro, disclaimer. Thank you, proclaimer. I will proclaim this disclaimer: is that um, I'm going to talk about the words Hebrew and Israel interchangeably. So they're the, they're the same people um, for the sake of this message. Okay. So if I say Hebrew and then I go to Israel, it's just because it sort of changes in in the, in the Bible, um, and later on in the Bible we call them Jews as well. So yeah. So what happened is the Hebrew people found themselves in slavery in Egypt. See they. The Hebrew people were pretty awesome and they were, they were growing in number, they were growing in strength, they were really intelligent, they, are real, they are, still are really intelligent and um, the Pharaoh at the time um, um, said, we can't have these people rising up because they will knock us Egyptians down. So what they did was they put the, uh, the Hebrew people into slavery so they made Egyptian slaves over them and what Pharaoh decided to do was, in terms of sort of uh, uh, capping their numbers, was to get their f- uh, was to was to make law to kill the firstborn sons of, of, of all the Hebrew families. So, 
um, which is horrific, yeah? Which is horrific. But, but, but this happened. Um, and what, um, what, what happened with Moses was his, his mom as a Hebrew said, well, I don't want this to happen to my son. So it's, I'm going to risk putting him in a river in a little handmade boat to, to, to save his life. And she does this. And miraculously, I believe, Moses floats down the river to Pharaoh's palace where he's, um, where he's picked up by, I think, Pharaoh's sister or mother. Somebody know the story? I can't remember which one it is. It's not important. Sister. And she said, we're, we're, we're going to look after this child. Um, and what she does, she, she actually she, she needs a wet nurse for this child. So she actually goes and gets a Hebrew woman to, to, to raise this child who happens to be Moses's mum. Which is, which is just, just beautiful, isn't it? It's just a beautiful story of God's goodness, yeah, over, over our life. Just, just that risk taken, you know, and just that, um, that this is worthwhile letting something go in, in order for God to, to pick something up. Um, it was just really nice. Anyway, so Moses grew up in Pharaoh's palace instead of growing up in slavery. So he grew up as a prince and he lived a fair bit of his life as such as well lived his life as a prince. Now, I'm not 100% sure how it worked, um, but the Bible says that when Moses went out and saw his people, the Hebrews, so I, he, like, he must have known that, or he, I'm not sure whether they raised him up and said, look, you live here, you're, you, you're treated like a prince, but you are a, he, you know, you, you are a Hebrew person as well. I'm, I'm honestly not, not sure how that worked. Uh, but it talks about that in Exodus 2. Um, but, but Moses went out and saw that his people being treated really harshly, the Hebrew people being treated really harshly by, by one of the Egyptian slave masters. And so what he does, he kills this slave master, buries him in sand, under the sand, because we're in a desert, yeah? And then, he, and then for, for the fear of his life, he, he runs off. Now, long, part of the long story short, um, he is... So, so he's left the palace... He's now um, tending sheep for somebody and God appears to him through a burning bush and he tells him what he wants him to do and he tells him that he wants to use him to release the, the Hebrew people from, fair, from Egyptian slavery, yeah? So now let's take a step back. These are the same people that God made a covenant promise to through Abraham. He said to Abraham, who was 100 years old, and, and his wife Sarah was 100 years old or, or so as well, and she was barren, that, that your offspring, you know, that, 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 I will, that, that, I will, um, that you are my chosen people and your descendants will be my people. And Abraham and Sarah are like 100 years old. 100 years old, she's barren, no kids. And then God comes good with his promise. And Abraham has a child um, and... And, and so we go on. So God brings, God brings back to mind this covenant that he promised years, years and years, years, 100 years beforehand with Abraham and then releasing it through Moses. Does that make sense? So that's 430 years later. You know, God is faithful to his promises. It's kind of lucky for us that we don't live that long, you know, 430 years in the need for, um, to see a promise released yeah like i'm impatient on the best of days but 430 years it's a bit of a that that smash me um so anyway long story short moses knew the yeah moses knew the immensity of the situation right like like he knew the power and that the, the egyptians were wielding o over the hebrew people 
and, he, and Moses also had a stutter, like worse than me, right? He had this crazy stutter, and, he, and so he actually got Aaron to go with him. So he's like, why me, God? Why would you use me? But he was just, but he actually relied on God's word. He relied on the word from God. He relied on the promises um, um, uh, that, that, that were made to him, you know? And I think it's partly for us what we can learn from Moses there is that we can fully rely on God's word. So whether it's scripture, and remember Moses didn't have scripture down to tell him who exactly he was, where we do, right? Um, but he, and we can also rely on prophetic words that come straight from God, yeah? Because it's God's word. It's God's word for us. So Moses requested Pharaoh to release the Hebrew people from slavery and, Mo, and, uh, and the Pharaoh said no. So God sent many plagues to Egypt um, and they were one for each of their gods that they worshipped. Um, and so Pharaoh still said no. And then the final plague was to come out uh, and was to kill the firstborn son. R- remember back what Pharaoh did to the Hebrew people. Um, this is what God said. Um, that he will um, kill a firstborn son, but he instructed Moses to tell the Hebrew people to put the blood of a lamb over their doorways and he would pass over, th- over those homes. Yeah? And they were, sp- they were spared from this plague. You know? So do you see the similarity of the blood of the lamb in our lives? How we've been spared and saved? Isn't that good? It's just nice. Anyway, Pharaoh, um, am I, you cool with this? Like, so I, I, I'm, I don't want to assume that everybody knows, has read Exodus and, and, and knows it all. So I just want to give you the, the pricey version, you know. Pharaoh lost his son in this, in this Passover event. And as a result, in his grief, he released the Israelite, the, the, Israelite, the Hebrew people. You know, I like how God gave the Egyptians a chance. I like how he said, hey, there's a couple of things we're going to do. And like he knocked on the head of each of the gods, yeah? He, he did that, and re- really strategically. But at the same point of time, he gave, he gave Pharaoh a chance. He honoured Pharaoh's leadership to, 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 to release the people. Yeah. This is how God works. He's an honouring God as well, yeah? Anyway, Pharaoh then changed his mind and he went to chase after the, the Hebrew people. He goes, no, actually, we're going to lose all their talents, all the services that they offer to us. We want them back. So he sent out his army to get the people. And as a part of that, God um, parted the Red Sea so that the, um, so, so the Hebrew people could go through on dry land through a sea. And then when they'd passed, the seas came back down um, onto the Egyptian um, army that, that, that were chasing them. You know, God was super good in, in this occasion, right? You know, he led them out of slavery. He parted the sea. He destroyed the Egyptian army. And then he goes on to, he fed them daily, daily. And then he led them by a cloud during the day. So there's all these people being led in the desert by a, by a cloud. They're following a cloud all day. And every night it would turn into a pillar of fire. So they would know where to follow that as well. No one freaked out by that? It's just, just a little bit weird. But this is the supernatural nature of God, you know. Yet, these people really struggled with their freedom. They really struggled. Yeah. Um, and let, let's just look at a couple of verses where they, 
where they just did this thing which is called grumbling. You guys may have not have heard of grumbling before, but this is something, this is something that was pretty significant to these people, and we see it all, th- all throughout Exodus. So let's look at Exodus 14, uh, 11, and 12. Um, so th- then they said to Moses, this is, this is the Hebrew people, is, because there were, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you had taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Goodness me, they were grumpy. The next one, Exodus 15, they talk about Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went to the desert of Shur. For three days they travelled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Myra, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the place is called Myra. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying... What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and, and, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them to, to be put to the test. There's some weird stuff that happens in the Old Testament, guys. You've got to read this story about a, a serpent that's biting all the people. We're not going to talk about this today, but it's just weird. A serpent is biting the people, and they're dying, but if they... But, they, but God told them to make a, a sculpture and, and when they look at the sculpture, then they'll be healed. And so, um, so Moses created a, a sculpture of a serpent and when people were bitten by the serpent, they looked at the sculpture, they were fine. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that, but it's just an interesting story. Um, and there's probably three messages in it. Three. Um, three probably Exodus 16 2 and 3 in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron who was Moses's right hand man the Israelites said to them if only we had died at the Lord's hand in Egypt there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death he's providing them food every day he was providing manna which is like a bread from heaven they grumbled that that's all they had so then he gave them um, a quail which is a petite bird, which you pay a lot of money for, apparently. And they still grumbled. Exodus 17.3, Then the people who were thirsty for water there, they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? They grumbled a lot. This is just a couple of them. I just got sort of sick of looking. Um, you know, we are... The thing that stuck me, struck me here is that we do grumble a fair bit about stuff going... When's this happening, God? You promised this would happen. Oh, how come they've got a really good job and I don't have a really good job? Or they, you know, whatever it is, you know. Um, all, all these people wanted to be back to the skewed safety of Egypt. And it was a skewed safety, right? Because they were slaves. They were slaves there. They were told what to do. They were beaten if they weren't doing what they were told to do. So they'd rather be in the skewed safety rather than be found in the full freedom of God that he was providing for them. You know, those promises are still there 430 years after. Yeah. I'll give you a land. Yeah. What I find is this, that as we, look at, as we look through the book of Exodus, we see that Moses approached things differently to the other Hebrew people. I think for two reasons. The first reason is this. He had an encounter with God. He knew his purpose and he knew what God had promised him. If you don't know your purpose... Get on your knees (laughs) and get in front of God. You've got to seek an encounter with God. If you don't know your purpose, you've got to seek seek an encounter with God. 
And he also knew what God had promised. So again, what are the promises um, that God has over your life? There's like a lot of them in here, like a lot, like more than three. Thousands of promises. I'm all over the place with numbers today. I appreciate that. I will go with that. Um, but, but also, if God has spoken a prophetic word over your life, that, 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 then let's live by it and, and let's declaim it. And, you, and you've got to bring it into action, which is a different word again. You know? the, but, but this for me, Moses behaved like a prince. He didn't behave like a slave. He was brought up in the culture of being royalty rather than the culture of slavery. Yeah? So he, and he knew the culture of, of royalty and he didn't know the culture of slavery. You know, I, um, I was lucky enough in 2010 to do a, um, a leadership course around Ballarat and we had looked at various community type things and one of them was um, like water and youth youth services and a, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And one of the things we did, we went to Langy Kelkel Prison one night and we spent a couple of hours at Langy Kelkel Prison talking to some inmates there. And um, the whole night was around rehabilitation and how the rehabilitation process worked. Um, and so we, we were around in groups. There was about 20 of us in this group and we were able to... Um, and these uh, some prisoners came in and they were... And they just shared with us for 15, 20 minutes each and we were able to ask them questions, whatever we wanted to, all that sort of stuff. Um, and some of the things that, 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 that really struck me, um, so that we spoke to one guy, a young guy who, this is his second time in prison, um, and he told me about when he, when he was out of prison and with his young child at a supermarket, if this child was crying, he felt paranoid that everybody knew his story and everybody knew his background. And so when this baby's crying, there's obviously something different than when there's another person there with their baby crying, like um, because, well, he can't handle it or something. So there was this paranoia that, 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 that sort of grew in him. The other thing was that we, um, there was this bloke that we met who'd been in prison for 20 years. I was starting to do some um, rehabilitation stuff with him. So he'd, he went to McDonald's one day, apparently, and said, do you guys still have junior burgers? Um, and, uh, but one of the things, there was a real fear came over his face when he talked around, they're about to show me how to use a mobile phone. I go, wow, yeah, 20 years ago there wasn't mobile phones. Um, but I just, re- but, 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 but for me, we then sort of talked about repeat offenders, and we talk, and then I thought about this fear of freedom, and if you're in this culture of, this is what I do every day, then, and this is who I am, to move into a culture of freedom is actually really, can be really difficult. Um, so I reckon that's what was happening with the Hebrew people, with the Israelite people. You know, um, I mentioned before that freedom is a behaviour and I reckon your attitude about who you are defines how free you are. I'm going to say that again because it sounded awesome coming off the tongue. Your, your attitude about who you are defines how free you are. So you can share the same blood as somebody else and you could see yourself as royalty where they see themselves as slaves. 
So freedom is then a behaviour. Danny and I watch a lot of, and the kids, watch a lot of renovation shows. We, we thank God for the channel Nine Life. We just, we're just really thankful um, because it's awesome. Um, and if, thank God for Netflix as well, but Nine Life is brilliant. So if anybody hasn't watched it, if you don't have a TV that doesn't, can't get it, you need to get a TV that gets it because it's amazing. Um, it's all these American shows and there's a mixture of shows around house hunting, which is just captivating. And, um, but the real show, okay, they're not captivating. They're, but they're probably under-captivating, what's the opposite, whatever that is. But, they, but, there's, these, but there's a lot of renovation shows on there, right? Um, uh, Janine referred to one a couple of weeks ago, Fixer Upper, which is a ripper. There's a couple of others, Flip or Flop, um, Masters of Flip. We like that as well. And there's another one called Hometown, which has been on. There's recommendations today. Write them down. Um, Flip or Flop is this couple who renovate homes across California. And they will often buy a house without ever going inside it. Like, they'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, how much do they want? How much are competitors offering? Yeah, let's offer them this. There they go. Then they open up the doors and there's just crap everywhere. And it's, all, it's dirty and floors gone, all sorts of stuff. But, and I look at it and go, oh, my gosh, that's just a lot of work. Um, and these guys, it's their attitude to go, all right, well, what would we do with this room? Which, for me, it, it just clicks in. All right, they're already forward thinking. They're already thinking, here's what we can do. Here's how we can change this situation and turn it into something bigger and better. You know, their behavior is actually bringing their attitude to life. And for me, I kind of go, oh, there's their attitude. I see that. Okay, wow. So my attitude of, oh my gosh, that must stink and it looks terrible and how much is this going to cost? That, that, they, they just, you know, they're just there. Um, but you, so your attitude brings your, fr- um, so your attitude about your freedom brings, your, brings that freedom to life. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's skip ahead in Exodus a little bit. Um, and this is sort of where I want to, uh, uh, this, now I'm about to start. Um, so Exodus 19 Exodus 19, 4, uh, 4 to 8. So this is, um, the Lord says to Moses, just as they arrive at Mount Sinai, um, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. And Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, we'll do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. Just repeat that little bit in the middle. Then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You know, this is God's heart for these people. And it's really beautiful. And it actually speaks of his desire to really partner with them, I, I think. Um, um, then God tells them to go and... Uh, um, so, so, so Moses goes back to the Lord and says, yes, the people said, yes, we'll do this. And the Lord says, all right, well, here's what we want you to do. We want you to consecrate yourself. We want you to prepare for three days, um, abstain from sexual activity, keep yourself clean, be ready. Um, and when the ram's horn um, blows, where is it? 
Um, and when the ram, ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they then approach the mountain. And the people at this point were really cool with this approach. They'll, they'll, okay, we can do that. Now, uh, this next bit, uh, Exodus 19, 16 through 19, let's read this. So on the morning of the third day, there was a thunder and lightning and with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and the smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. So picture this scene. All these people come around this mountain and, the, and there's smoke, they can see fire, and the mountain is trembling. That'd be awesome to see as well. And scary, I think, as well. So, dangerous. So, then, um, so God gave them... Sorry, God gave them the Ten Commandments at this point. And then the next part has... Um, I've heard people say that this is probably the saddest part in Israel history. Um, so Exodus 20. So we skip ahead, so there's, the, so there's the Ten Commandments. And so from 2018 to 21. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear, which we've agreed is okay. They stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we'll listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where, where God was. This is the saddest day for the Israelite people in my opinion as well. As the Israelite people said, and I'll paraphrase, you go to God and you tell us his rules and we'll just follow them and that'll keep him happy and it'll keep him on side. So you go to God for us because we're just too scared of all that. And so we look back and say, God, God wanted his people to be a priesthood. And so the role of a priest, there's a, there's a couple aspects to it, but three sort of key areas, if I can summarise it. The first one is this, that priests acted as a mediator between sinful people and God. So their role was reconciliation. Their focus was reconciliation. They were consecrated and set apart. They were anointed. So God treasured them, like he truly treasured them. And they also represented the people before God. They actually had... The opportunity for direct access to God. They had direct access to God and what the people said was, no, 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 you go, we'll stay back here, you tell us the rules so we can do what we need to do so that God doesn't bring down that fire upon us but you go up and spend time with him, you go and be with him. Now God wanted them face to face with him. God wanted the relationship with him and they chose the rules. It's a pretty sad day, yeah? 
pretty sad day for these people. He just let them out of slavery, not, you know, over time and all these supernatural things. I just, you, you know, you feel God's heart. If my kids didn't want to relate to me, but they wanted to talk to Danny and say, what does dad want us to do to get so that dad loves us? Man, that just breaks my heart, even the thought of it. It's ridiculous. But let's remember, let's remember the overarching theme of who God is. God is good. Yeah? Um, and part of his goodness is his faithfulness. And he's complete in his faithfulness. And he followed through with what the Israelite people wanted. So when Moses set up that, uh, no, when God set up that covenant with Abraham to make his descendants his chosen people, that's like, there's a couple of different types of covenants. I want to quickly just talk about some theory. This first one is a royal grant. It's like, I'm going to give you something. You don't have to do anything in return. It's like, I may give you this land, go and farm it, do as you will, it's yours. Um, that's, that's one type of covenant. A different type of covenant is, there's two titles for it. It's called a uh, suzerain or a vassal covenant. The suzerain speaks of the king or the superior power and the vassal speaks to the, to the servant or the, or the underling, for lack of a better word. Um, but what, the, what it is, it's, it's a covenant where there are conditions involved. And, and, and so there's a agreed set of promises. You do this and I'll do this. I'll do this if you do this. And so, this, so God accepted the Israelites' um, request, but it was a different type of covenant to the covenant that he set up with Abraham initially. Is that fine? Yeah. Cool? All right. So here's some of my thoughts that I'm still thinking of. This is why you guys are the guinea pigs, okay? You are free to not live in freedom, but it's not what God wants. You are free to not accept freedom, but it's not what God wants. You are free to just follow the rules in your relationship with God and not actually have a relationship with God. I'm going to say that one again because I just go, ooh. You are free to just follow the rules in your relationship with God rather than having a relationship with God. But I don't think that's what God wants. Just because something is not in his plan, that doesn't mean he doesn't give freedom for it to happen either. You know, it's not that God has one plan for your life. I think God, it's, better, it's probably better that God has one purpose for your life and there's probably many plans in order to get there. And if you stuff up plan A, that doesn't mean that plan B isn't there. Yeah? You know? We just get another plan. So God gives a whole bunch of rules or laws, 613 of them, in fact. Pooh, yeah. I'm with you, Levi. Um, I've not counted them, but I just trust my resources. Um, so many laws tells me that they are intended to demonstrate that it's impossible to keep God happy with you by just keeping rules and laws. It's flippin' impossible. You want to live by the laws? Go for it. But you'll be chasing, chasing, and you'll be tired, and you'll fall. 
but this is where the story changes. You ready for a change of the story? We're going to enter this guy um, um, who we're going to celebrate his birth in a couple of weeks' time. Um, you may have heard of him. We talk about him a fair bit here. His name's Jesus. Yeah? Um, so Luke 4, 8, um, Jesus uh, is sharing um, in the temple and he quotes his eye when he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free. So that's who he is. That's what he's all about. Do you want to know Jesus' purpose on, on, on earth? Freedom. And remember what Jesus also said. I've actually come here to reveal the Father. So everything we've heard about the big bad God who set around 613 laws and came down with fire and a mountain and, and, and made it tremble, he came about to bring freedom. Yeah. Are we cool? Yeah. Good. So Jesus is referred to as, this, as a, the new covenant, the new covenant. And this, again, is one of those types of covenants which is a royal grant. I'm going to give you something. I'm just going to give you something. And he gives a covenant of freedom through salvation for us. And you know, you know what all we've got to do? We've just got to accept it. Yeah. Maybe you haven't accepted it here yet. But God's saying, I want to give you this freedom. And all you've got to do is say, yep, I'll take it. We can talk about that later if you like. This is, now, this is where I just read out the entire book of Romans to you. Is that okay? Um, because I just love the book of Romans. If anybody's got the version app, um, you know how you, there's a man who reads on that? And they've changed, yeah, so there's an app called version, and you can get it to read to you. The man who reads it, he used to sound really scary, but they've changed the man, or they've just changed the book of Romans. When he reads it, he is super passionate. Like, it's awesome. So, well worthwhile getting the U version app of the Bible, letting the man read the book of Romans to you. He's super passionate. He asks questions and he's like, emphasis. It's like, wow, who are you? You weren't there before. Um, anyway, so I gotta, there's a couple of bits of Romans that I think are really, really re- relevant around this new covenant and the laws, okay? So Romans 3, 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. That's probably the good thing about the law because because God says, I want a holy people, and part of being holy is what what we now know as the law or or what we can refer back to as the law. See... It's useful to know that we were sinners and we're now saved by grace. It's actually useful to know that. It's it's appropriate for us to know that we were sinners before we accept Jesus into our lives. We won't hold back from that. Um, We just fall short. But let's look at Romans 5, 20 and 21. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase... Where the sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The more we are aware of, our, of, of, of sin, 
the more we are aware of the grace God gives. I, you know, there was that book, Max Licato book, which I didn't read, about grace. That grace book. He wrote a book. I, I read the first couple of chapters as I did when I... This is before I used to really read books. Now, it, this is just, a, oh, this looks like a good book. Hear people say good things about it. But the first chapter talks about a mass murderer who accepts Christ. And you're like... And, and we've got to understand that grace is really offensive. Grace is really offensive. If we're not offended by the fact that God can forgive some, can forgive a mass murderer, but, you know, and, and when you're not a mass murderer, like, he's actually forgiving more. Like, it's, it's actually offensive, but that's probably a different message, so I won't go there. We need to acknowledge that we can't work our way to God. That's, this is, this is cool. We can't work our way to God. We can't follow all the laws to get his, his approval either. You can't do it. You can't do it. You won't do it. I'm letting you know now, you won't do it. People tried. We only get there through grace and we need to accept by faith that God loves us so much that he gave his only correct answer, son. So then there's this. Jesus has come. Jesus has, um, Jesus has come. He's died. He's risen from um, from the dead, he said to his people, "Go into all the nations," um, and people have done that. And later on, Peter is writing a letter to some of these people spread across Rome, um, and he says this in his letter, in First Peter two nine, he says, "And you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, yeah. a holy nation, a special possession." that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We could go back to Exodus and see how God wanted to share that with the Israelites at that time. And now this is for everybody. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Wow. God's so good in his faithfulness, isn't he? He has this promise. He has this desire to work with people. And they go, no, we don't reckon we're going to do that. And he goes, okay. Then he goes, but I'm going to give everybody a chance to have this opportunity to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood. He's just so good. Um, time is it? I just want to skip ahead a little bit. In um, back in the book of Exodus, Moses comes down from the mountain after being with God and gets a whole bunch of these rules to share with people. Yeah, and he comes down, and um, the Hebrew people have formed a golden calf. Um, just a, not not even a cow or a bull, but just a calf, like that. that and they're worshiping this calf. And um, I really love what um, 
Aaron's excuse was to Moses is really, you know, it's like, you know, they were, make us, they said to me, make us God so we can worship them, you know, um, that's for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we would, I don't know, what happened, what's happened to him, you know, um, so I told them, whoever has any gold jewellery, take it off, and they gave it, they gave me the gold and threw it into the fire, and out came this calf, so just like, I, I, we just thought we'd just throw gold in and out came this calf, right? Um, at this point of time, um, as these people are worshipping this calf, some um, scholars believe that also around about 3,000 people were in the middle of a, of a massive orgy as well. So that was um, um, happening as well. Um, so Moses... Up on the mountain with God, gets all these rules for these people to live by. He comes down and sees these rules being broken before he even gets a chance to share them, yeah? And then the, um, Moses calls forward in verse 26 of, of chapter 32, um, who, those come to me who are those who, who are for the Lord, and the Levites come to him. And he ordered them to kill all of those involved. Now, the assumption is that they were pretty easy to find out who was involved because they were probably naked. Um, just an assumption. Um, but the covenant was now enforced. And it says in uh, Exodus 32, 28, about 3,000 people died on that day. About 3,000 people died on that day. Now, let's skip ahead to Acts to uh, 41, this is after um, Pentecost, and it says, those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added that day. Wow. So we've, and we've gone from this covenant thing through to the outpouring of the Spirit, where 3,000 people have died, and now 3,000 people have found new life. How awesome is that? We see in, um, I'm not sure what the next verse is, uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. He has made us um, competent as ministers of a new covenant, not the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. See this? I love the Passion Translation. It says, he alone makes us adequate ministers who are forced on an entirely new covenant. Our ministry is not based on the letter of the law, but through the power of the Spirit. The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit pours out life. Man, I am super thankful I am on this side of the new covenant with Jesus. Are you thankful for that today? thankful for that today you know my my heart's cry is spirit come and give life just come and give life you know when, when i read that that was my prayer spirit come and give life come and release freedom within me remove the laws that i've placed on myself or i've held on to for my own safety Sometimes we need to change the culture of where we're living now. Our own cultural barriers that we set up for ourselves. You know, we sing, 
where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, yeah? Um, I'm free to dance and sing. And some of us don't dance because we're bad at it. <clears throat> and maybe we should. You know, I look at Paul in prison, Paul and Silas in prison. They were in a physical, cultural place of being in an inner cell within this prison. They weren't even in an outer one. They were placed right in the inner sanctum in chains. They were beaten, right? And yet they still thanked God and they still sang hymns. Because the culture they were living in had nothing to do with their physical surroundings of where they were. good in it so god wants to put royal robes on us today he wants to put royal hems around each every part of our clothing today i saw it as like red glitter and i saw some of it as like red sequins but it was definitely red it was a royal red that that's what i saw glad you wear wore a red top today dave not many people will see it as you walk out though um i had no idea how i wanted to end this so i've got a whole bunch of questions that I want to ask you guys. And then we'll figure out how we respond to them in a tick. Who needs the Holy Spirit to give them life? Like, I know I just need the Holy Spirit to just give me new life. Just remind me of the new covenant I live in. Do you struggle with the free, with freedom like the Israelite people? Are you struggling to step into it? Are you, are you grumbling? Is your attitude and your behaviour not in line with full kingdom freedom thinking? Do you need to accept a covenant of salvation through Jesus over your life now? Maybe you've never given your life to him and you want to do that. And I reckon, um, I, reckon, I reckon we can help you with that. You're probably in the right place if that's where you're at. Um, to come up and see Malari afterwards. We can talk about that. Maybe you're after revelation of how to live your life out as a chosen as a chosen people, a royal priesthood or a holy nation, God's special possession. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe okay, I get this, but how do I actually put this into into practice? Or maybe you just need an encounter with God, like Moses had through the burning bush, where you receive a revelation of your purpose in the kingdom. Or maybe you just want to walk out of here with red glittery hems on your robes. I literally don't have glitter and I'm not going to do that, but if any of those are for you today, um, I'm just going to finish off by praying, I think. I think that's how we'll finish off. If any of that's for you, happy to pray for you individually after, after we finish. We're just, I'm just going to pray for us all and then we're going to stop and go grab a coffee. You can nick off, you can hang around, talk to people. Um, but if you'd like prayer for any, for any of those things, then um, I'd love to pray with you. I'd really love to pray with you. So let's just, can we just all pray now? Holy Spirit, come give life.
Holy Spirit, come give life. Holy Spirit, come and give me a fresh revelation of what freedom is. Holy Spirit, come and reveal the purpose for me as a holy nation, as a royal priesthood. Holy Spirit, come and speak to me where I've put barriers on my freedom and I've lived in a culture of slavery. Holy Spirit, just come and do what you do today. Thank you, Lord. See, in the spirit, there's a real shaking of the house today. Not like, and it's sort of deep inside our hearts, but like, I see like a chandelier, like on a roof that's being like shaken, like in an earthquake. It just can't stand still because there's just something dramatically moving. Lord, help us to understand what that is as we work with you, as we sit with you as you minister to us. Yeah. Come and shake us, Lord God, within. Come and build us anew. Mm. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. Thanks, Anu. Thanks, y'all. Well, that'll officially end. That'll officially end proceedings. Um, yeah, have a great week. But if you'd like prayer for any of that, love to pray for you. Um, yeah, that's it. Have a week.